The Sex Pistols were one of the pioneers of the music, fashion, and attitude of the punk rock movement. They were only together for about two and a half years and released just one album. But over that period, they were just as famous or infamous for their behavior as they were for their music. They didn't care what you, the music industry, or society thought about them. Led by frontman Johnny Rotten and an illiterate guitar player named Steve Jones, who stole one of his first axes from David Bowie, they took a scorched earth, double middle finger, bugger off attitude towards everything. Over the course of their short career, they were kicked off of two record labels, banned from British television, caused dozens of fights, and became the embodiment of punk rock anarchy. Then there's the tragedy of Sid Vicious, who became an icon of the nihilistic live fast, die young attitude up until he died of a heroin overdose while out on bail for allegedly murdering his girlfriend. In this episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're taking a close look at the Sex Pistols, including the chaotic manager, Malcolm McLaren, the fights, the censorship, a Christmas party they threw for working class kids, and that one friggin' amazing album that changed music forever. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 47. My name is Bruce Kramer, and I am thrilled to be behind the mic tonight with my very good friend and co-host, the one, the only, Ryan McCusker. Are you rocking? Prisoners of Rock and Roll is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, and we're sponsored by Boldfoot Socks and McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. What's going on, brother? Not a whole lot, bro. Just uh, getting the end of the summer here. Uh, hope... The fall is a good one in South Philly. Usually is that all the trees turn great colors and uh, looking forward to that. Uh, what's yeah, going man. on with you? Yeah, man, I, I like the fall. I think the fall might be my second favorite season. I just I hate the transition from summer to fall. Uh, yeah. You know, we took an extra week off because uh, of Labor Day. And, uh, you know, we're back. We're ready to talk about the Sex Pistols, man. This was a, again, you you will tend to be the one that picks all the choices for the, the shows. Another great selection, man. And we talked them, you know, we talked about them a little bit in that episode we did on punk rock. The but, punk rock. Yeah, that was a great episode. And that was our first episode we did for Pantheon. Oh, well, you know, long, right. long time ago, man, like a year, well over a year ago. Well, it seems like there was a lot more go than, than, than that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I love doing the show. So, you know, it, it keeps keeps going and I keep on going. And I, I knew their story a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. the sex, I know, like the general, you know, the highlights and the high points and stuff, um, you know, the Sid Vicious and the boat, the show on the boat and all the other kind of stuff. But I, I learned a lot, man. And I I did. I, I must have. I did a shit ton of research for this one, man. Yeah. I watched that whole miniseries in like three days. Yeah, that's it. I thought it was I thought it was a little played out. But if you wanted to learn the history of the Sex Pistols, that was it. Like, that would be a great introduction to get into the Sex Pistols. Another. Yeah. It had a yeah. little they took some creative liberties with a couple things, but um, it was cool, though, how they worked Chrissy Heinen. Yeah. You know, well, she's really um, the one that was in it. I don't think she's really she was in their real lives at that much. 
but it was still it was cool. And they didn't make a big deal of who she was until the end. No. Yeah. I mean, it was just more like she was there. It yeah. wasn't like it, she was there for the beginning of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it was it was cool that like they had characters in there that they didn't tell you who they were. Like you yeah. saw Billy Idol in the background a couple of times, but they didn't yeah. make a big deal like, oh, that's Billy Idol. Or I think they only called Susie Sue like once they called her name. Yeah. They didn't make a big deal like that's Susie from Susie and the Banshees and yeah, all that other kind of shit. Yeah, I think one of them was supposed to be Shane McGowan from the Pogues. Oh, really? Shane, Shane was um, the original president of the Sex Pistols fan club. Really? Yeah, you, you see him. He has like this jacket on with the Union Jack all colored into it. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, see, I he, totally missed He's that. really young. He's really young. It was also interesting, too, man, how much the characters in that show looked like the original people. Like going back. So I after, so. I, after I watched that, I went and watched the um, uh, Filth and Fury, the documentary about the Sex Pistols. And I was surprised, man, at how much some of those people like the um, the girl that works in the in the boutique that had like the mm. weird eye makeup and walks around like kind of topless and everything. I was like, holy shit, man. Or the um, the the little person that worked in the store. Like, yeah, hung out with were- them, like, exactly like them. For punk rock is definitely have a definition of being different. So everything is shock value, not shock value for what like Marilyn Manson does or Alice Cooper, but shock value on we're so obscene. You're, you're going to be grossed out by us. Yeah, but I didn't get the sense that they were like trying to um, like be revolting for the sake of being revolting not like some of the shock guys like that the, yeah. the, they just literally just didn't give a shit they seriously didn't i mean they were like just surprised that they, people wanted to listen to them like you know like they got a record deal fast like they didn't they yeah. were they, they were playing the clubs and emi signed them first right yeah and that was yeah. kind of i mean when i put my notes together i kind of put it together like how they started and then the three the story is like that they got you know they were on like three record labels in like two years they got kicked off of two of them very quickly yeah who the hell wants to be responsible for those dopey motherfuckers right right <laughs> i mean they're most of them are junkies yeah and uh yeah i and so <laughs> what yeah why don't we start like at the beginning man i mean we I said we touched up on this a little bit in the punk rock episode you can go back to listen to that we talked about you know 15 bands in that show uh, so yeah. we didn't have the time to dive into it but um i learned a lot about malcolm mclaren doing this research like i knew who he was but i never knew the extent of this story and he's really like he looked at the sex pistols like an art project like that it was in that filth and the fury thing that he's like i work with people the way other artists work with like clay yeah i i i see him as putting a boy band together yeah that's what it looked yes. like to me um he had an idea and he's like, if I can take what the art is going on in the late 70s in London and put it to music, it would be totally something different. Yeah. You know, Malcolm was a genius dude. He had originally he had a store. Was it called Sex? Yeah, it was a store that did a couple different things. It was called like Let It Rock. And then they changed her name to Too Fast for Love or Too Fast for Love, Too Young to Die. And then eventually just changed it to Sex. And the... Um, when it became the name of sex, you know, it's big, bold capital letters started selling like ripped clothing, bondage clothes. And then um, I guess a lot of the shit that you like associate with the punk rock movement was like clothing that this dude, they, they sold in this store. I, you know, I would like to say punk rock's all about the music, but it's not. It's about what you look like. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, the, the more freakish you look, the, the better, more punk rock you are. That's what the Sex Pistols were, you know? Yeah. They, they, were, they invented that whole bobby pin through the nose, um, yeah. gross out, spitting on the crowd, you know? Yep. They were, so, you know? Yeah. So this dude ran this, this shop, and it's like... um. He somehow like he was over in New York or something for like a like a trade show. And he ran into Sylvie and Sylvian from the New York Dolls because he was doing his own kind of clothing shit. Okay. And he convinced him to be like, hey, let me he wanted to be the manager of the New York Dolls. OK, yeah, yeah. And, oh, was Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm McLaren did. Was he the was he uh, for the New York Dolls? Yeah, excuse me. So yeah, he was Bruce. the he was the one who convinced the New York Dolls to stop dressing in drag and start wearing all the red leather with the hammer and sickle flags. And that's when they went downhill. And they basically broke up. It ended their yeah. career because they were like, "We can tolerate you being drag or being this and being that. You can't be a communist man." And uh, Malcolm, Malcolm, they, he was really into that. I, I don't know what his whole bag was with um, Germany and like even using a Nazi sign on art yeah, and yeah. clothing. You know, he was he he was a he, like he wanted to get a reaction out of you. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's no there's no symbol more provocative. Right. Like in, in a bad way. I mean, you see it, and you're, you know, just the holy shit. You know, what's that guy wearing that for? Yeah, I know. It seems like kind of overdone. Yeah. Now, like you go down South Street, all those, you know, Zipperhead back in the day had all those clothes for this store that Malcolm had was sex was the first one to start having all this stuff, but they didn't want like have an S and M feel. Right. It was like they want it to look more colorful, more obscene. Yeah. More uh, like, like uh, not shit you wear behind closed doors. It was like shit you yeah. wear, like you want, they wanted you to wear it. You know, you're not picking up something to be naughty with your, with your lady friend after uh, your hours. Excuse me. It was stuff that you had to wear out. In, in public yeah did you see in in the uh they do it in the filth and the fury also but when they talk they had the girl that wo- worked at yeah. the sex store in the tv show and she came took the train with a raincoat on see-through and like with nothing on the nothing on underneath it yeah i mean uh and she walked to work like that you know and that's what really happened that was like for real, like they were trying to freak people out everywhere. And you, I mean, you got to think about too what was going on in the world. And the um, the Filth and the Fury documentary was really worth checking out. It's hard to find. Yeah. It's on um, it's, it's, it's on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, but it it they talk a lot, or they have clips of like other things that are going on. You know, like Britain is unemployment is high. You know, and the the music scene is like you know yes, and and all this progressive rock and this really big elaborate you know, arena shows and all this other kind of shit is going on. And, and, you know, every, yeah. the hippies, they're kind of, you know, the word, the tail end of that. So these guys are almost like counterculture to the counterculture. I mean, punk was definitely to be in the middle of all music. It punk was something different than rock and roll. Punk was something different than country. Punk was something different than a lot of things that were going on. And I sure. think the, the, for what their economy was had a lot to do with their sound, with their, you know, grittiness of the band, you know, just because, you know, like they said in the Filth and the Fury, there was, there was like a, a trash protest, like the 
the collectors weren't coming around to, yeah. to pick up the trash. And they said trash was everywhere in England and up and down the street. And I, I, I think that's a lot to say about what the Sex Pistols come from. They come from garbage, you know. They come yeah. from they come from a place where their generation is no future for them at all. Right. Sure. You know? Yeah. So this they, dude is. Well, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I said like so. This guy like Malcolm and his girlfriend or his wife they're they're running the store and like teenagers start hanging out there all the time and you know two guys start hanging out and they're in a band called the Strand or they change their name to the Swankers and uh, you know Steve Jones was a he's kind of like a petty criminal. He, oh yeah, uh, uh, he was like he, molested as a kid. He had a rough upbringing. I think Steve Jones is is the beginning of punk rock. His whole attitude, his whole way of life of where he comes from the idea of being aggressive like fuck you instead of being like oh i'm sorry yeah he 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 was the perfect guy to to represent england in that generation and what they did it was grittiness uh, yeah banging on the guitar yeah um, he was illiterate you know he taught himself yeah. how to play guitar he got his guitar actually they these guys, when they were in this band, they started breaking into venues and they would steal yeah. they would steal gear from like Bowie, Bob Marley, Rod Stewart. Oh, yeah. They totally went into the uh, the theater and stole shit yeah. during the day when, hey, they were punks. Right. <laughs> you know, they were they were punks. The miniseries has him getting beat to shit by trying to steal uh, gear from Hawkwind, which was Lemmy's first band. But yeah. I said that 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 didn't happen that was just kind of a they put that in there but um so yeah the guys were hanging out in there and they're like hey man we're in a band uh he starts asking malcolm mclaren for some advice and malcolm's like hey man you should um you should get this guy who works on my store glenn matlock he could be your bass player who worked there part-time you know everybody wants to talk about sid vicious but it's glenn matlock on those albums yes you know, he is a big part of that record you know sid vicious came in later but Glenn Matlock, Paul Cook was a great drummer. Yeah. Glenn Matlock wrote a lot of those songs. I think Glenn was the most musically trained out of all of them. He like knew how to play Beatles songs. He knew how to do shit. So, you know, Steve Jones had to invent a way to play music his own way because he couldn't learn the guitar like the, the way that you're supposed to. He can only learn guitar the way that he can feel it. You know, which is a big part of his sound. Like, what chord is he playing? Uh, who fucking knows? But he's right. making this a he's making this passionate, aggressive sound. Right. It doesn't even it doesn't matter what chord you're playing. It's just how he, the, the emotion that it's going to invoke in people. He in, he like invented uh, sounds. You know, he he's just he practices ass off, and uh, eventually wrote his own songs. I don't think he could play many covers like you can't play like any other songs besides the sex pistol songs because he wrote them you dig what i'm saying yeah yeah no dude it's um like yeah it, he's got a style he can, about him. yeah yeah he's his style yeah. is very very um gritty very you can hear it it's self-taught you can hear it's passion well, he was initially the singer for this band, too. And it, like they played a couple of gigs and it just it didn't go well. And they had another dude in the band named Wally Nightingale, which I, I said in the punk episode, um, 
doesn't that's not a very punk name and he didn't look very yeah. punk either and they you know uh, mclaren malcolm was like he's got to go man he doesn't he doesn't look rock and roll he's not rock and roll steve jones picks up the guitar and yeah. at some point they actually asked um sylvian sylvian from the new york dolls to come over and be the lead singer and he it, it didn't work and then they just saw this dude just hanging out johnny lyden was just hanging out in the store yeah. wearing a a pink Floyd shirt with the eye hole with uh, the holes in the eyes torn out. In the words, I hate written above. <laughs> he was an original from the start. Yeah, man. He had green hair and his shirt was all held together, was torn and held together by safety pins. And they had him sing along to I'm 18 by Alice Cooper as like a, as a demo, like sing along. They put it on the jukebox and that's how they got him in the band. And they were you like, know, they, hired. They, they played your eyes on that TV show. And like, he starts singing and he's like singing crazy babbling shit you know the great thing about johnny rotten none of his lyrics rhyme they're right. just statements you know but yeah he, he jumped on the jukebox starts singing and i think what's the manager's name malcolm mclaren yeah malcolm saw saw he'll fit in fashionably before he thought he'll fit in musically right you've got the look give it a shot and he you know they yeah he got the name johnny rotten because he didn't brush his teeth you know, Steve. yeah Jones. he had the worst teeth yeah around him right. and shane mccallan right he's a he's a brit and he's got he's got terrible teeth for a brit and then the band becomes the sex pistols kind of after sex after the um you know the the name of the store and the pistols like you know image of As, gun and yeah yeah and yeah. Uh, malcolm mclaren kept calling him my sexy young assassins and he said like sex yeah. is kind of short of that so yeah. Do you think Malcolm was the best thing that could happen for them or was it the worst thing that could happen so, to them? I like I don't know who's the shit bag of the week this week. If it's Malcolm McLaren, Sid Vicious or Nancy Spungen. Nancy. Now, there's, there's there's three there's three bad people because Malcolm gets in the middle like he pokes his head around that he pushes them kind of he pushes them a couple times in directions that I don't they don't want to go. Yeah, you know, yeah. He kind of he wants them fighting with each other because it's more. Yeah, it brings you know, to the music. Joke. Right. He wanted chaos. Yeah. He, he wanted. I think that's what made that first album was that they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. You know, like they they wanted to invent. They wanted to keep on inventing their own sound, and Malcolm wanted to keep probably keep them doing the the same thing, like just do the same thing. And you know, Johnny Rotten, the last thing he's going to do is sell out. Like right. he's not going to, you know, you're, you know, you're not going to make that dude do anything. At, at some point, I think like Glenn Matlock, when he leaves the band, he, I read something, he said like Malcolm was kind of turning us into more like the monkeys, like a, yeah, dude. You know, like a TV, like at some point, man, they become more famous for like being on TV and their antics and yeah. the music, which but, is, which is, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. I think, I don't know if this could be a, a good statement, but the Sex Pistols gave punk a, a bad name, dude. Like, sure. Yeah. You know, like they were the ones that were spitting on everybody. They were the ones that were cursing, picking her nose, doing snot rockets, doing all this gross out shit. And they were encouraging everybody else to do it. That's an England thing, dude. Right. You didn't hear the Ramones doing that. No, the Ramones were more of a militant kind of. Right. Not mil You know, they were more of like a, a, a group, a, a gang. Right. And you like, don't I mean, the, don't the, fuck the, around. You know, the clash didn't do that. You know, the like clash were. I think the clash come from a different society than yeah. what the Sex Pistols came from. The Sex yeah. Pistols came from nothing. They're not even they don't even have any talent. They came from nothing. And with no talent, they just had they took a shot. And that's you know, and what and what's so crazy, too, is they did that 
and as improbable as it was, right, that they're put, they're kind of, they're they're put together by this dude who has a vision of this art project. I want to piss people off and get like, it's such a fucking great album. You know, it's just like they made one of the most important. I like the research I was doing. Somebody compared it to Nevermind, like that impact. Sure. Like, and I was like, yeah, man, I could could absolutely see that. Like, if you're that generation, like it just changes everything. Yes, it changed everything. And everybody start copying them. And before you knew it, punk was big and it and it was over fast. Right. Yeah. So so they got, you know, they get together and they start they start doing some gigs. And I I, I told the story a little bit in the uh, the punk episode, but they they open for a band called Bazooka Joe and they get in a fight with Bazooka Bazooka Joe on on the stage because they're like they're pulling uh they're like they they want to use their own amps and Bazooka Joe's like no you lose our our shit and they were too loud and they were unplugging it but the bass player for Bazooka Joe goes on and becomes Adam Ant the oh 80s, wow the, the 80s singer and you know then as they continue playing these small gigs you know Johnny Rotten would start throwing chairs and walking off the stage and you know Steve Jones gave that famous interview with NME and he says you know we're not into music we're into chaos yeah even though that gets attributed to Johnny Rotten Steve Jones said it yeah. Steve Jones is a brilliant dude, man. For yeah. an illiterate guy, he's a brilliant dude. I can relate to him a lot, man. And, and you know what, dude, was interesting too, man, reading about Johnny Rotten. Well, you said they all come from nothing. Like Johnny Rotten was saying that like his parents used to take in like orphans when he was little. Yeah. And some like he he came from a like there's more depth to him as a person than I initially thought you know he's like i mean you think of johnny like i think of punk and the sneering like fuck you attitude of punk i think of either sid vicious or johnny rotten and johnny rotten seems like he's a good person it's just like he hates people who sell the fuck out it's like henry rollins he's just a little bit more honest and don't give a fuck than henry rollins does henry rollins you know he wants to keep that exposure but you know johnny rotten the best thing he had in the 90s on vh1 he had his own talk talk tv show i never saw that i Dude, watched it, it. i just watched an episode i gave some interview he did right like he went on some british talk show talking about the documentary or the, the miniseries and how he wasn't a part of it and he actually sued to have it blocked and i was like um oh well i, I you know he was very articulate and he wasn't you know it was it was in, he's in his late 60s now mid 60s you know he's older he still looks a little ridiculous but it was um i don't know man i was just i was digging his vibe just what he was saying I, yeah i dig johnny rotten he was um he was talking about like he raises a lot of money. His wife has Alzheimer's and he raised a lot of money to like he has a charity or it was for a charity called Spit, where like the money was going to Alzheimer's. And it was kind of, you know, it's kind of cool that it's like, you know, he's famous for spitting on people and his charity's got that name, but it was going to help his wife. I don't know, man. It was like a little. Yeah, like I said, I think like, it was it was like know, sweet in a way. I think that's the natural way that all those guys were. They were all sweet, like. Before Sid even joined the band, he was Johnny's boy. They were yeah. friends. And, you know, Sid would stay at, at uh, Johnny's house. His parents would take him. And this is way before they yeah. were in the Sex Pistols. This is why they were children. You know, Sid was a was a maniac from the start off. But he definitely, Johnny definitely took Sid in at a young age, you know, for uh, to. Sid would have been running the street and like living in the ghetto if it wasn't for John. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Sid and Sid's real name was John. So they had a, a band right. of John. They had three guys named the John. Johns. The band. Yeah. The Johns. The Johns. He, um, yeah. 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 They were they were lifelong friends. And he just started kind of going to all their shows and while he was watching his boy. 
and suddenly was like, I want to do that. And guess we'll get to that, man, when they, yeah, you know, they, yeah. they replaced Glenn Matlock and put him in. So they, you know, they're playing all these bands, they're playing all these gigs and they're fighting and they're, they're spitting on people and all this other shit. And then they get the record deal, and which they get, is they get, signed to, they get signed to EMI and the producer, they, they got the producer who did Dark Side of the Moon. The producer guy, Chris Thomas, and he started working. He said he was working on their album at the same time. He was doing an album for Paul McCartney. He would work on one during the day and they would go to oh another studio God. at night. He probably. They, yeah. You know, and he he did um Roxy. He produced shit from Roxy Music, which the guys from the Sex Pistols really looked up to. Elton John in excess. And he produced Dark Side of the Moon. Um, and there's uh so then they, under this this deal, they do they record Anarchy in the US, the Anarchy in the UK, and they release it as as a single. And it's just uh man, what a what a great freaking song. I love I first heard that song when I was a little kid and uh Skid Row covered it. And I was like, whoa, this song's yeah. unreal. I didn't find out later it was a Sex Pistols song. Uh, but I, I knew that. I know this song from a very young age. It was like definitely introduction to punk when Skid Row played this song and I saw them do it. And it was it was awesome, man. Yeah, man. We played uh, 30 seconds of it out of the intro, but here, we'll, I'll just pick up where we left off. We'll play it another 30 seconds. It's such a great tune. love the that he does in the background. Oh, the yeah. This is great. Those little sounds. Yeah. It, yeah. That's from them not knowing what they're doing. They're just fucking amplified and electric. Yeah, man. They tried so hard to get that, Uh, you know, the beginning when he goes right now. No. And he was trying to hit it. He was trying to line it up with the notes. And he was like, I don't know fuck about meter and beats yeah. and, you know, measures yeah. and try to hit something. Like, and I go. think I think his singing says that all the way. Like, he don't know shit about how music direction is supposed to go. He just knows he's up there singing what he thinks. Yeah. He's got like a, there's like a something with his voice band, like the way like it pulls and pushes and it goes like it's in annoying and, out and up and down. It, 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 it kind of is a little bit. I love but it, it, but it I fits, love it. it. It really, really fits what they're trying it to do. Totally. He's a punk. His voice, what he sounds like is an, is the asshole kid down the street. Right. He like the definition of a punk is a, is a little asshole. Yeah, sure. You know, so that, you know, that comes out and they, so they weren't on EMI really long and there's kind of two incidents that happened that, that uh, get, get them kicked off very quickly. And the first one was, you know, they go on the today show with Bill Grundy. Oh uh, yeah. That's like a very famous show on London. It's live. It's live on the air. Queen was supposed to be on the show. They backed out at the last minute. Freddie Mercury had a dentist appointment. Queen was on EMI. Could you imagine those two bands together on one show? I've got Holy something. Shit. I've got something later with Queen and Sid Vicious. Uh, Freddie Mercury almost kicks uh, Sid Vicious's ass. So, oh, I'm sure. So I'm sure. Hang on. I, I I'll jump to it real quick. Sid Vicious said they were they were recording and they could hear Queen in the next one, and he started calling him dull, and he just walked into the studio. And uh, what Queen was recording, it was like, oh, have you taught everybody how to do ballet yet? Like was kind of insulting him and freddie called him simon ferocious 
and said <laughs> he gra- he grabbed him by the neck and threw him out of the out of the uh, out of the studio. He's like, he said to fucking kill him. I, I know, I know. Sid was a street guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Freddie was just a Freddie was just a yeah a, a, a school kid. I could not rich school kid, but you know. Good to totally see him. Like, oh, what are you? You're Simon Ferocious or whatever your name is. Get out of here. Just awesome. Yeah. But um, anyway, man, so they go on this, they go on the Today Show and the staff brings their whole entourage and you have like 10 people up there. Yeah. And they're they're allowed to have alcohol beforehand. Oh, man, that was a bad idea. Yeah. So they're getting hammered. The host is like, well, F it, I'm going to have one, too. And he gets he, a little yeah. pause. And he's kind of an asshole during the interview. I, mean, I watched the whole yeah. the whole thing. We played it on the punk episode, but he um, well, they, he was like egging them on. Like, come yeah. on, let's see the real you. Come yeah. on. Yeah, he was like referring to the band in the third person while they're sitting right there. And, yeah. uh, you know, at one point, Susie Sue says, like, you know, I've always wanted to meet you. And the, yeah. the guy's like, oh, did you really? Well, let's meet afterwards, shall we? And they thought he was hitting on her. And yeah, Steve Jones he, just, just Steve Jones is him. not having it. Yeah. Calls he him a dirty like, old man. Yeah. And, he's like, you pit, he's like, you're a fucker or whatever yeah. he says to him. And they got so much per- publicity for him saying fuck on team on the bbc yeah you're dirty bot you're a dirty bastard remember and- you see that shirt that he had on though too is it ladies boobs and i, just, I even, didn't notice that yeah oh yeah it's not even blurred out or anything and they were like johnny rotten in that in that interview is brilliant he's like on the side and just you just hear him saying shit and like really like bad shit and then they were like oh what was that oh nothing yeah, next I said a bad question. word. Yeah, I said a next bad word. Question. Next question was like, what was the bad word? Yeah. He's like, shit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they were honest, man. Yeah. They they were. Their yeah, music so was honest. They were honest. The movement was honest. Yeah. And it was like the first time that anybody dropped anybody British dropped the F word on the on the TV. You know, on Good the for TV. them. Good and for it them. was like immediately was on like the front page of every newspaper the next day right the day yeah. like the headline in the daily mirror was the filth and fury oh, god what a what a what a title we might have to steal that for the name of the, our show i know i know and bill grundy basically like ended his career like he got suspended he came back and he like he was done after this for for kind of egging him on and all this other kind of shit and oh, yeah. they're they're immediately public enemy number one man and they um, fucking love it this is the shit that Malcolm McLaren wanted, but there's yeah. also like huge blowback, you know, against them and the staff at EMI refused to like some of the workers were like, we're not even we're not going to package the single for Anarchy yeah. in the UK. Yeah, they dude, They were so offensive to they were offensive to England. They right. were like any like, you know, British wearing dude. They were like putting down their country. It'd be it'd be like compared today of like politics yeah. of a of a, a Democrat going to a, a Republican party and just giving them the finger and shit right. like that. Right. Think about like uh, you know nowhere near this on this level, but like remember the Dixie Chicks a couple of years ago came out and said they were embarrassed to be from Texas or something, and yeah. they were like they got canceled for like yeah yeah that years. killed their career yeah they changed their name. Yeah, yeah. Well, they right. They, they changed just, their name, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they're just the chicks now. More. That's a better music. name. That's a better. Yeah, name the chicks. They, yeah. Hey, I have yeah. a quote. I have a quote from a British politician about the Sex Pistols right after this. They're unbelievably nauseating. They're the <laughs> antithesis of humankind. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot of them down it. 
Wow. I just love it. Like they're just, you know, everybody, you know, the, just, the, they, the thought of the prim and proper British, you know, so people are sitting around drinking their tea and they, and they went on TV looking like that and then dropping the F-bomb. It was like, you just you just didn't behave that way. Yeah. I mean, they they represented a generation, a generation of bums, you know, right. and, and they're just a product of what their country made them, you know. Right. Their, their country, their poverty, the country that the Sex Pistols grew up in, you know, and and now the, all the, the proper dudes are like, oh, very nice. And all that. And they're like, you're a wanker. Right. And the media starts like I mean, the media just follows them everywhere. Promoters start like canceling yeah. gigs because they don't want to deal with like the protesters and all this shit. I mean, these guys were like they got to the point like they were like they would go for a walk. And people would assault them or like somebody threw a brick through Malcolm McLaren's like window. Oh, God. Like they were, were, they were that offended. There were the stories that the Sex Pistols had gigs set up and it went from town to town. And when they would get there, they would cancel the gig, but still get paid for showing up. Yeah. So that we were like, he was like that. We did this one tour. We just showed up at the gig and they said, we're not playing tonight. And they paid us and we leave. He's like, we did that for a, a, a very short time. Yeah. And at the end, like they started playing under the uh, they went on tours that is called spots, which stood for okay. sex pistols on tour secretly. Oh, they didn't want to okay. book everything is like under their name because they were getting canceled like yeah. everywhere. Uh, yeah. But yeah, man. So they're they're public enemy. Number one, they're everywhere. I mean, it's like I, I can't even make a Carly. Like, think about Sinead O'Connor when she ripped the, the picture oh, yeah. of the Pope. But, you know, like the blowback. Oh, Everybody sure. Had, it's like this time, like that time's like a hundred. Yeah. I mean, there's the English are very proud people. Right. They're and eventually, and eventually EMI, EMI is like, all right, dude, you're, you're out there. There's another incident. Like they're at an airport and somebody like they spit on somebody. And then very quickly afterwards, they're, they're out. EMI who, dumps them. Who was the record company that they signed to outside of Buckingham Palace? A&M. Well, hang on. So they get dumped from okay. EMI. Okay. And then they very quickly they write a song called EMI. Yeah, EMI. It's all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is about like and it's Johnny Rodden immediately giving the middle finger to them. So let's let's play a little bit of that. Yeah, play this it, bro. Another great, great tune. Oh yeah. great example of his voice being annoying you know I think like it's great i love that I, song it's on my running yeah. playlist but it's just you know it's it's so annoying it's great yeah <laughs> the the sound that it all makes together it works absolutely before they they leave and they so they get dumped by emi and they're looking for another label but before they do that before they sign another record label they have a really big personnel change and that's when glenn matlock is it leaves and yeah, there's, he, a, there's conflicting stories on why and under what circumstances. I think he was just a different kind of person than the rest of them. He's he's he like we're say like the English proper. I think Glenn was more that and he didn't fit in to the band. So when he left the band, they're like, OK, no problem. Be, uh, musically, they needed him. But um, right. Right. Yeah. Like I said earlier, man, like he wrote so many of these songs nobody like everybody just thinks it's Sid no it's Glenn was the guy right like Glenn's the one that sweated out 
with the band to write all those songs. I think he has co-writing and all, but like two songs on that album. Oh, he's he, probably still getting money. I'm sure he is. And, yeah. you know, so he, you know, and the, they said that he didn't get along with Johnny Rotten and he was more in like the Beatles and the small faces. And they said he wasn't very punk exactly. and, and shit like that. It was just, you know, whatever, man, under he didn't like the song. God save the queen. He thought it was too much. Yeah. But he gets replaced with Sid Vicious, Johnny Rotten's buddy. Which Sid got hired because he looked like the punk. Yeah. I we said we were trading notes, you know, text messages before this week, and I was like, Yeah, he's the biggest media creation in rock and roll. He he people don't know. Sid did not even know how to tune his guitar. Right. You know, he was so untalented. He was just famous for being a mess. You ever see that picture of him with the, the leather jacket and the pin that says I'm a mess? Yeah. And he has a hot dog and the, and the mustard's all over his face. Yeah. That's yeah. him. Yeah. He, he was a junkie, you know, and he gets really bad at the end. Yeah. But he's, yeah. you know, he's Johnny Lydon's, Johnny Rotten's boy. And he, yeah, they were childhood friends. And he, uh, he gets the name Sid Vicious from Johnny Rotten's like hamster. <laughs> his pet hamster like bit him and, and he was like oh that's that's Sid Vicious I think the hamster was named Sid and he's like it was vicious and that, that's where the name comes from he played he kind of dicked around and played drums with Susie and the Banshees like a little bit but oh, he really? was not he wasn't a musician at all and he didn't no, know shit about the bass and even there's a scene in the miniseries where there's a scene in the miniseries where he's trying to like you know they're talking about the he wants to focus on his hair and Johnny Rotten's like dude you yeah. gotta do the no he's like fuck the music it's about my how yeah. do I get my hair standing looking right like he didn't even attempt to learn how to play when someone else would be like, all oh, right, I'm, I'm in this fucking band. I'm going to learn the songs just as good as Glenn is. I'm going to, I'm going to try. I'm going to put one more. He, Sid was a fucking junkie, not and lazy. He was just like, I'm just going to jump around with the bass and like sneer at people and spit and like cut myself on the chest. I'm, you know, he thought that was the most important part of punk, which is a big part of, you know, to be a mess if you want to be. It's punk rock, you know. Yeah, it kind of. I have a, I have a weird definition of punk rock, and you know, I've always I've been saying it for years and years and years, and and I guess I I call punk rock as something original, something very passionate, like has to be total passionate and gritty. Okay, that's punk rock to me. Like you know, I'll sit there or. To be a good person when this person's a shitty person. That's punk rock. Okay. I don't know. I, yeah, I just no, had, that makes sense. You know, like uh, the warden had a really bad tattoo. <laughs> right. And I and I got him a new tattoo. You know, that's punk rock. Definitely. Uh, well, you know, Johnny Rotten joining the Sex Pistols as a super fan would be like if we let the warden on the show. So, yes. Yeah. You know. I, I don't think I don't think the warden could sing like Johnny. No. No, we have to do it. We'll have him sing uh, Alice Cooper at the bar or something. I'm 18. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, man. It's Sid, Sid really. Glenn Matlock said that Sid joining turned the band in kind of a cartoon. And I, I agree, man. I think this is the. Yeah. This, this ruins. Was, this, this, Sid, this ends them. Sid was a fucking t shirt. Yes. That's all. That's yes. all that, like, uh, those dudes yep. thought of, you yep. know? Yep. He was a good looking dude. He had the, you know, the, the sneering all the time and yep. Yeah. Calling him a t-shirt is a great way to sum him up. He was the biggest sex pistol fan. He was at every show jumping around and make, 
making crazy mayhem in the crowd. It was just obvious. Oh, we got to put them on stage. Yeah. It's kind of weird, man. That's like how Henry Rollins gets hooked up with Black Flag. But Henry Rollins, yeah. you know, Henry, Henry Rollins, Rollins is not a Henry Rollins isn't a talented musician either, but he at least put some effort into it, you know. Total. Yeah. And Henry Rollins is not a, a a hopeless junkie. Right, right. Yeah. You know, he's like I don't think Sid was a smart guy. Again, I think Sid was a product of his environment. His mom didn't give a shit about him. No. You know, um, his mom gave him a taste of drugs real early in life. Yeah. So he joins, man. He gives no shit. So he said sometimes even the gigs, he didn't even plug in. Either he didn't care, the band didn't care, or he was just so whacked out. He, it didn't matter. But they, but they people, were coming to, people were coming to see him. Right. At the yeah. end. Yeah. To see like no talent bastard up there. People right. were coming at the end to see this bullshit. And like you said, there's I mean, there's videos of him. You can see him. He's got like blood all over him because he's like he's on stage with a broken bottle, like carving shit into his chest and yeah, and everywhere. You, and then you hear in the background Anarchy in the UK and it's Glenn Matlock playing the bass. And you're right. like, oh, yeah, you know, right. He, he was just a tool for publicity. He was hype. And that's what Malcolm McLaren wanted. He was like, he looks the part. You know, he's destructive. That'll he'll be great. But they get signed to A&M and they do the ceremony where they sign the pat the um they sign the contract outside of Buckingham Palace to celebrate it. Brilliant. And the, you ever the, see that footage is yeah. fucking hysterical. Yeah. They come piling out of the uh, big limo. limo. Yeah. And they come out and they look like hell. Yeah. And they're like have table and Malcolm is like all like being all right, press, take the pictures, you know, and they're just fucking wasted and then there's an after party back at the amn off a&m offices and sid like he smashes a toilet or something and he cuts his foot yeah. and he's walking around he's bleeding everywhere and johnny was like yeah johnny rotten starts acting like an asshole yeah. and then a couple of days later there's something else and somebody in the band's entourage threatened to kill like a good friend of the head of the record label and they get dumped. It was like less than 10 days before they get signed. They get dumped. The label had already signed, had uh, printed like 25,000 copies of God Save the Queen. And most most of them <laughs> were, were stuck like stuck with them. Well, they destroyed most of them. And apparently, like, oh, really? Fine now, it's a big that's a big like collector's item. Oh, well. So that's and uh, I, I, yeah, if you find any sex pistol, like 45 from back to back in the day, it's like priceless. What is it? They wanted to and and. Johnny Rotten wanted to call this song like no future. Yeah, and totally. Malcolm, Malcolm decides that like that's now we're going to change the we're going to call it God Save the Queen because of the Jubilee is coming up. The Queen's uh, uh, anniversary of being in in power. The Silver he Jubilee was, is coming up. Man, he was so like, let's let's just take advantage of anything that's in in the news and we're going to be a part of it. Right. Yeah. So now they've been on two record labels. They haven't released an album. And then Richard Branson shows up and Richard Branson signs him to, you know, Virgin Records. And he's still kind of like an up and, hum, up and coming guy at this point. You know, not the zillionaire that he is now. And his label gets pissed off too. Virgin Records. Like some of those employees are like, oh, man, we're not we're not making yeah. the we're not making the album. We, you know, we refuse to. And they have this brilliant idea. Like it won't get on the radio. They can't get any gigs because they pissed off everybody. They pissed off the media, the press. Yeah, everybody in the uh the music establishment and they come up with this great idea that they're like all right we got it we know how we're going to get some publicity out of this we're going to rent a boat and we're going to get on and we're going to sail down the thames river right past buckingham palace <laughs> on the queen's silver jubilee it's 25 years on the throne and they banned 
play they go past parliament and the band plays and then the police beat the shit out of malcolm afterwards when the when you know they they get a, people get arrested and the police kick the crap out of him oh malcolm had a common yeah <laughs> yeah sure. i mean he was probably egging them on he was probably egging the police on yeah you know you don't you know malcolm was just in the chaos and whatever he could do to get the name in the paper that's what he would do yeah so I mean, you think about it like a regular old chap in London. You've seen like these guys have been like f bombing on the on the news, and now what's bigger than like the Queen's Jubilee to honor the the monarch? And they're just giving the middle finger to that too. What was the Queen's Jubilee? I don't even know what that is. It was the it was for twenty five years of her being on the throne. Okay, and this so, was what seventy seven. Yeah, something like that. I don't. I, I just it was a celebration that that lasted what like a week. Was it like a Fourth yeah. of July, like a Fourth yeah. of July kind of thing? Yeah, like a extended weekend kind of thing. I don't know. It's just like a big. It's just a big deal. So yeah, they only do it every twenty five years, or something like it. that. Yeah, like yeah. her. The, they just had a jubilee. Yeah, they did. That's right. And she's like, she's eternal. Ugh, she's never gonna die. No, she's like ninety six now, ninety five, something like that. She's probably um, been dead for a while. They just got a wax. They just got like her. weekended Bernies. He's kind of yeah. pop her up, but um. I don't know, man. Oh, you know what, dude? Let's play a little bit of God Save the Queen. Yes. Here we no go. future. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I wonder if uh, the, the, when he says, God save the queen, the first thing he says, I wonder if Malcolm heard that and was like, cha-ching. Sure. Because it's, you know, like if you play later in the song, he just keeps on going off on no future. Yeah. And he that's what they wanted. Even, to- he said he wasn't even like making fun of her as a person. He's more like just the institution of having a mod, you know, a monarchy. Yeah. Yeah. He said just, like it, ma- it made you a moron. Like you're. Yeah. Yeah, man, yeah. but it just it just pisses off everybody. I mean, it's like just Sinead O'Connor flipping off the Pope. You know, the Queen is on like that level of revered in England. And, uh, you know, shit, man, a uh, hundred years ago, you would have been beheaded for, you know, fucking George or something else. Yeah. You know, like you were you were executed for that. Yeah. Um, and, they were... and what what makes it what makes it great, man, is that then the song goes to number one. But the BBC like lies and won't report that it's number one they just flat out like moved it down the down the charts and put rod stewart number one or sometimes they would they would play the charts and they would go like all right we just got done playing song number four song number two and they just skip it all together and they won't even play it yeah like if you see it like written down that month or that week in a magazine it's just the number one slot is empty it's blank yeah and then the second one was Rod Stewart, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is so that and you know, now they're getting into fights everywhere, and they're booking under that fake name, the uh, Sex Pistols, under secret tour, under tour secretly. Yeah, yeah. And 
yeah, they're getting at one point, like Johnny Rotten is some dude attacks him with a razor blade in the street, like just walks yeah. up to him and jumps him and stabs him. Yeah. And, they were, uh, <laughs> they were yeah. pissing people off left and right. Yeah, man. The store, uh, the Virgin Records had a, yeah, there was a Virgin Records store and they get, um, yeah, a lot of other, well, first of all, a lot of record stores wouldn't even sell the album, never mind the Bullocks. And Virgin Records actually got sued for obscenity for putting the album on display in their window. I was wondering what album had, what kind of band had more obscenity at that time than they did on a record? I don't know, man. I would, like, I should, I th- that'd be good homework. Like, what are the, some of the other, the other like, crap what, that's out? What other bands were they like pushing the envelope? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. Like Sabbath, they're they're around, right? But they're not. Yeah. You know, I, I'll have to, maybe I'll look into that as some some of my homework. So, yeah, man. I we're probably up to the point where we're going to talk about Nancy a little bit. Uh, <sighs> maybe maybe it's a good spot to take a break because this is like okay. bringing up her, and then they're kind of end and the messiness, and we, you know we can we can play some more songs. Yeah, man. Why don't we take a break and uh, cool. we'll be right back. All right, stick around. Yeah. yeah. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. man i am so excited to tell you that prisoners of rock and roll is sponsored by boldfoot socks we're thrilled to have them on board because they're just good people who do good work while making a good product let me tell you why their motto is grown here and sewn here because boldfoot socks are made in america they have a variety of styles and designs for everything from work working out or doing a podcast they're a veteran-owned business and give five percent of all their proceeds to veteran charities and i'm just down with companies who pay it forward so boldfoot is cool with me and they're cool with the show and as soon as you're done listening to us, you can go over to boldfoot.com and check out all the different styles of socks they have. That's boldfoot.com. So, all right, man. So they're great people, to, man. They really are, man. And we're really thrilled to have them. And it's cool to hear their other shows on the Pantheon family talking about them too. Yeah, they're so, they're they're great to the vets. I'm all about that. Yeah, man. I'm all about paying yeah. it forward. So really, yeah. really good stuff. So proud to have them as a sponsor. Totally. All right, man. So we're kind of up to we're about to introduce the the shit bag Nancy Spongin, but uh, oh. yeah, you just as we were taking our little commercial break, we're like man, there was so much, there's all these other songs on this album we got to be playing, man. Why don't we just uh, yeah, let's play a little bit of them, talk about them, then we can talk about that piece of shit and what she was and everything else, man. The song Bodies, yeah, it's on there. Play that, play all that. Right. All right, and I got a, I got a couple questions about it. Here you
So that song is about a woman that had an abortion, right? And the like, uh, it's in the miniseries. And I didn't know if this was true or this was like an embellishment, but there's like a, um, there's a woman who starts following the band around and she was like a mental patient and she was, uh, she was raped when she was in the mental, the mental hospital. And he says like, she was a woman who lived in a tree. Like she would get out of the mental hospital and like run up a tree or something. And she killed the the baby or had an abortion. And she carried the fetus around in a bag. Yeah. And at some point she's walking around, like showing it to, I think he, he shows it to Malcolm McLaren's wife and he shows it to somebody in the band. Yeah. And then she kind of like, she finds a dude to rape him. And it, like the one episode ends, she like stabs him. And I was like, I don't remember if that was true or not. And I didn't look it up. If that's like a, if that was just kind of like a you you listen to the words i mean it's if you watch i don't know maybe yeah. they they made it up after this song i mean it's basically the story of that woman yeah uh i think about i think about that that part a lot of that show you know i don't know it was very heartbreaking she was a great character this ho- this homeless crazy woman yeah that, fell in love with the sex pistols yeah uh, yes it says that she was a real it was a real person that johnny johnny rotten said it was a real person i guess there's an interview where he says that she, she was real interesting well i mean that's what the sex pistols that's who follows them Fuck, you know these these crazy fucking people at first before it was hit you know before yeah. it was before it was hip in the 90s to listen to punk rock so i just googled like there was a real like in the scene they said like yes it was somebody came to, to his door with a plastic a clear plastic bag with a fetus in it and here's this is johnny rotten i didn't write the i didn't write it to cause a commotion it was realism my mom had a lot of miscarriages when she was young and as the oldest child i was the one that had to carry the bucket and flush it down the toilets outside oh, sometimes it took God. several flushes and sometimes there'd be a recognizable body parts in it He's Fuck. fucking unbelievable. <laughs> he Fuck, has a man. way with words. Right. I love him. <laughs> I can't help. Right. Myself. Whether that's true or not, it was just like, you know, I believe just it. the way just the way he, who would make that up. Right. That's so biz- like, bizarre. Like, who can make that up? Yeah. Only the truth. Only the truth would come through Johnny Rotten's mouth. Yeah. You know, and I think that basically what broke up the band his mouth and this woman that we're about to talk about. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a song about abortion in the seventies. You know, it's like, that's not a lot. It's about a mental illness and abortion. It's like, man, that's pretty groundbreaking for 77. Yeah. I mean, they want a record. Right. Sure. It's, a, it's a number two song on the record. I, for some reason that one on Spotify that has an E next to it for explicit, but none of the other songs on here do. I mean, there's a lot of language on all the songs. Yeah, right, right. Fucking destroy and all that other stuff. But that one, maybe because of the subject matter. Let's play one more song, man, before we uh, we move on. Um, play No Feelings. I no like Feelings is another great song, too. Here you go.
sitting here fighting uh fighting a cold as we're doing this i just had to lean away from the microphone and cough this should be somebody new for me to spit on listening to this <laughs> doing, doing this like hey you blimey fucker you ah. dirty bastard mm. uh, but anyway yeah man i again this album is just I, the comparison to Nevermind is just great and i read it somewhere and it wasn't my my idea but it's like uh, i could definitely hear the the parallels between the two of them i think nirvana was way musically better than Agreed. the suspects will yeah. ever be I agree. But the Sex yeah. Pistols are doing this first, too. Oh, yeah. Nirvana, Nirvana is building on it. You know what always made interesting? When I first heard Nevermind the Bollocks, the, first, the only Sex Pistol album, I, the production value of it really caught my eye. And I was like, how poorly I thought it sounded. You know, and then later in the years go on and you find out it's the guy who made the Pink Floyd album. And, and all these ELO albums and all this other shit that sound amazing, like to like everything's like to a T, like, but then to record, never mind the box, so gritty and so, so like sounds like so low production. Yeah, there's something, there's a story around like there's two producers on the album and like they, because uh, they get, you know, they get dumped off with so many record labels and they were kind of like splicing shit together, like different takes and stuff. But, um, yeah, you know, I'd imagine they still I'm sure that the sound that it came out with, I'm sure that's by design. Hmm. Okay. Like you said, man, I mean you got like yes and Kansas and all these progressive rock you know, acts doing these. But like, you know, that nothing sounds like never mind the bollocks. It's it's so gritty. Just it's amazing that I didn't figure out until later in life that they made it sound like that on purpose. I'm not yeah. even smart enough till I just realized, like, until you just the way you just said the name, like, never mind the bollocks and never mind by Nirvana. Oh, well, I was like, shit, maybe that's where they got the idea. It could be, mm-hmm. I, you know, could be coincidence learned. Right. Could be. But all right, man, let's talk about piece of shit. Scumbag Nancy Sponge. If there was anyone uh, worse than Yoko Ono, it was Nancy. She was the she was the let's just give her shit bag of the week. Shit bag of the week. Shit bag of the week. Yeah, she was like the Yoko Ono punk rock. Um oh yeah, she go ahead. No, so she was a she was a hooker. She was a prostitute. She kind of she fooled around, was like a hanger on for the New York dolls, which is weird that that's like there's another connection to the New York dolls in mm-hmm. the story. She was from Philadelphia, which I thought like I I didn't I never knew that she was yeah. from Philly. And uh, she's buried in, in Ben Salem, which is 15 minutes up the road from Philadelphia. Yes. Um, I didn't know I've, that. I've had, I, friends, I've had friends over the years go to her grave. They're, they're like really weird people, but they went to visit her grave. If I was driving in that area, some friends that live in that area, I might I might stop and check it out. The, but only, yeah. reason, the only reason I would stop by there is to. That's that's where Sid's mom that dumped his ashes on her grave. So, like, if Sid's anywhere, he's on that property, yeah. like, right through there. So that would be the only reason I would go. Not for her, because, you know, Sid's ashes are buried there. Right. And, I mean, it's, she's an important part of the story of rock and roll. She's a scumbag, and she contributes nothing. She contributes to, to the music. I mean, she is a product of the music. She's yeah. just this, this groupie whore drug addict. Right. And she starts hanging around the band, and... She got she basically got Sid Vicious hooked on heroin. You know, and everyone in the band is like, 
they're like colluding to try to get rid of her. At one point, they think about just like kidnapping her and just like yeah. driving well, her somewhere show. and leaving her. Yeah, they try to get, they get her all there. fucked up on drugs and try just putting her on a train or a plane, a plane back yeah. to New York. And they all know it. They're all like, you know, even Johnny Rotten's like, I've done every drug in the world. But he's like, man, you do not touch heroin. You just don't do it. I know it'll it'll destroy you. And Sid was his friend, too, man. And so he was watching his buddy, his boy from he's known from the kid become this like disaster. I don't know. I don't you know how Johnny thinks he's like, I can't turn him over. So why am I going to break his balls about it? Yeah, there was a couple of things but, I read with him when he said he regretted bringing him in the band. He was like, I should have told him what he was getting himself into by being in a punk rock band and moving that fast. Yeah, but. Yeah, so she was, you know, at some point, like she's in like the meetings with the band and Sid's like she's basically in the band and they were like, get the fuck out of the room. Like, you're not. It was like a Yoko Ono, John Lennon kind of thing. Um, Totally. Yeah. And they they all hated her and they uh, they rolled with that huge entourage too of all these other people that were always around them. And they they wanted no part of her. They all knew um, right away that she was bad. I I saw an interview. I read an interview with Steve Jones. He said he's never felt worse about another person than the time he met her. He's like, she just, he's like, the day I met her, she just had a black cloud over her head. And it was like, she is bad news. Uh, and it's like, some people, next, right, just give off that vibe. They're like, like you're, she, just a, you're just bad. Like, what she had definitely mental illness. She yeah, had I all, think so too. She had history. Like, she had like papers, like yeah. that she was in a, she was in a hospital. Yeah, you know, you ever see the Sid and Nancy movie? I didn't, and that was on my list of Are shit you, to watch yeah. this week. I never watched it as much. As I really like Gary Oldman too. Dude, I've never watched it. He is awesome as Sid Vicious. He's if anybody did Sid Vicious justice, it was him. Because Sid was in a few different versions of different movies, like versions yeah. of, but he really gives justice, man. Maybe I'll watch it's it like, tomorrow when I'm at work. It's 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 really gritty. It's really. Yeah, it's a really sad story, obviously. Yeah. You know, but yeah, heroin, heroin should, addictions, yeah. heroin addictions, no fun. And, uh, you know, and you get to see, I mean, everybody saw it like he was, you know, I said he was he was playing and not hooking in and he wasn't playing his instruments and he's just dragging everybody down. And, you know, uh, but why do they keep him in the band? Was, you know, he couldn't play. Never why? trust a junkie. Right. Like in the ministry song. But yeah, really. Once I think well, he always a junkie. I think part of it, too, is like he was like, you kind of get these two. It's in the miniseries, like Johnny Rotten keeps calling the other two, like my backing band. Oh, and yeah. Sid Vicious, too, feeds into that. Like, you know, it's the two of us. Only, people only come to watch the two of us. Or some of Sid Vicious, like they only come to watch me. Yeah. Like it becomes the, more about totally. Him. And Malcolm loves that, too. He's feeding into all that shit, too. It's like, again, the guy couldn't even play the bass. And they, like, they would unplug him. And he just would jump around on stage. And people fucking love him for it. Right. Even on like, the album, like he like, you know, I said, it's like Glenn Matlock or Steve Jones plays plays bass on mm-hmm. a bunch of the tracks like they're like, yeah. you know, he's not even on it. Yeah. As, I, as iconic as he is right out of all the characters in punk rock, he's like the like the villain, the bad guy. And it's like he's I don't think he's the bad guy. I think he's the um, the true vision or the true uh, image of what punk rock is. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I mean, bad guy in like, uh, like the villain, the villain of punk rock. Like everybody looked at them as like the bad guys of music, like the bad oh, boy. Yeah, you know, he yeah, kind of totally. sums it up. And now you totally. can go to like you go to Target and buy a T-shirt with his face on it. Yeah, I mean, he was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how much rock and roll he liked, but you know. And you know, so they, you know, and a couple of times, like he over, like Sid Vicious overdosed a couple of times, and yeah. 
you know, she didn't even go and visit him in the, in the hospital. You know, they, they had this weird love affair. Like he was writing poetry about her. And it's just I, I went through this, like all the crap I watched. I went from being like really angry to like I was like, it's really pathetic. Like just watching. He these, was these, pathetic. Yeah. I, I was like, I went from like pity to just like, do you just a, you're just a scumbag. Like I have no I have no respect for him on any angle in, in this story. In no way do I think Sid was a bad guy. I, I think, just he, think I think when you I said th- he was a moron, I think I think that's what I think he just was too stupid, didn't know any better. Exactly. He was, you know, and what do they do? They bring him to America. They did when they yeah. did what a mess that was. Did, did you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. some stuff on that. So they. Cool. Yeah. So summer 77. Malcolm McLaren's got this great idea. We're going to send you on tour into the U.S. And he purposely books them in play. He doesn't put book them in like New York and L.A. Because that's like that's too much. He sends them to like into the Bible Belt where people like you're going to go to Atlanta. You're going to go to Memphis. They go to San Antonio, Cleveland because they want the cow. He wants the cowboys and the the people the the preachers to protest. He wants all of that shit going on around them. I always and, wondered why they did that. Like, why didn't they hit New York, California and all that places when that American tour? Because Malcolm, so, Malcolm wanted, wanted the, I think wanted he wanted all of the he wanted the the fights and the, you know, like a. It's something, and I think it's in the documentary when they're they're playing in like Texas, and he's like, "You one of the Johnny Rods, like you cowboy motherfuckers." Yeah, and a fight breaks <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you cowboy hat wearing pig fucker or something. And it's just like, yeah, man. Like he, Malcolm was just setting them up. I think totally the most more. opposite people that you could possibly do is go to a bunch of cowboys. You know, it's like, oh, we're gonna play our punk rock, almost pansy dressing in this you know, cowboy setting. Right. No way. No right. way. Right. So they get in all this big, you know, they're playing all these venues, these tiny places. And Johnny Rotten is getting increasingly pissed off with Malcolm because, you know, he changed the name to the God Save the Queen and he's putting him in all this crap. And, uh, you know, they're traveling by bus. A couple of the other guys are starting like they travel by plane and Johnny Rotten and Sid are just driving around on the bus and Johnny Rotten got the flu and Sid Vicious is high on heroin. And their last gig was at Winterland, which is just like, it's so weird because that's like San Francisco, right? It's like yeah. the like the hippie ground zero for the hippie movement. And then the Sex Pistols roll in. I know we're way later in the you know, yeah. The hate Ashbury is long gone, but it's still like yeah. it's just funny. The hanger honors are still there, and they just yeah. come through and yeah. And by that point, they they know they're done. Like they end with Johnny Rotten. They cover No Fun by the Stooges, and Johnny Rotten just ends. He ends it by going, "You ever get the feeling you've been cheated?" Yeah. Like he says to the crowd. I think he felt cheated. Yeah. You know, I think I don't know, but he like we said, Nancy brought the band down like more than any other person could do in that band. Yeah. Like, why couldn't he just let go of Sid? Like, you know, like like just let him go. Like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I've had friends that are so bad off. I had to let them go. Right. You're just a you're a drag. You're just, you know, you're not going to be the anchor and drag me down. Johnny kept true to Sid for some reason, like the, the most untalented guy in the band. There, there's video of him saying that. Hang on. Let me try this on YouTube. It's Johnny Rotten just saying at the end. Ah, and I get the feeling you've been cheated. Good night. 
yay comes in like you're gonna get one song and one song only and he kind of laughs but he's also i he's saying you know he's been cheated you know, it's oh, not, yeah oh you know, yeah he's he's he, bitching about the whole oh thing. yeah i from day one he seemed like he went head to head with malcolm like because malcolm wanted to control him right and i mean he went head to head with everybody yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody trying to exert control of him, like you said before, he just he's just not down with anybody telling him what to do. He's still like that. That's what I love about him. So then Johnny Rotten either says, I go or Malcolm goes. And Steve Jones goes back to Malcolm and rats him out. And the van, the band votes to get rid of him, whatever. The, it ends and he's out. And mm. but the band tries to keep going. And they were going to go to um Right after the Winterland gig, they were all supposed to go to Brazil and they were supposed to sing a song with a guy named Ronnie Biggs on vocals, who was like he was a train robber who was like living in Brazil. And they were going to have him come like this. He's like, oh, he's going to join the band and sing the song. And Johnny Rotten was like, the fuck he is like, I sing. Hey, we're not getting some like, yeah, some no- we're not getting another dude who doesn't know shit about music to do this. Yeah. You know, and then they try doing a couple you know sid vicious covers a, does a couple couple recordings he does a great uh, version of my way yeah man well uh, we could play we, absolutely we can play that yeah play play that <laughs> no i say you have to play the beginning because it's so awful Sounds like the cowardly lion. My face, the final <laughs> Did I get you on that one? Yeah, <laughs> he does. We're like, hey, you guys. Did they want to make Sid the lead singer after yeah. Johnny? Yeah. A life that's This video too. He's in a white, like you know, like a oh, lounge yeah. jacket, and then he starts shooting everybody in the audience. And... This is the end of Goodfellas. Yeah, it it comes in. Yeah, yeah, this part. It's a cool no, song. I mean, it's, I you think know. I think if Sid didn't die and didn't kill didn't kill uh, Nancy, he, you know, he could have been um, an Iggy Pop on his maybe. own. Yeah, maybe they would have continued. I don't know. But oh, so we should probably talk about yeah, Nancy and Nancy's oh, yeah. end. So um, we kind of we never know what happened, right? So they they cut. They're staying at the Chelsea Hotel, which is like a shithole in New York, and. Uh, like Janis Joplin stayed there and a bunch of other people and Sid Vicious just wakes up after getting all all high and finds her dead in the bathroom. She's been stabbed in the stomach and he has no recollection of what happened. But he was arrested and charged with her murder. He gets out on bail and when he's out on bail, he dies of a heroin overdose and he's 21 years old. Yeah, Did you see that footage of the interview of him? And they were like, where do you wish you were right now? And he goes underground. Yeah. 
And it wasn't very long after that he died. Yeah. He says, like, I don't want to be a junkie forever. I don't want to be a junkie right now. Yeah. yeah. And again, that's when I I felt like pathetic. I was like, he's just pathetic. I, I don't have a lot of emotion for people that are heroin addicts. So no, I mean, you choose you choose your your life. Right. Dude, everybody could sit around and do drugs all day long. Right. I, I become part of society. I go right. out and I can't, I, you know, give, you know, we, I have my business. You know, I say this about Allison Chains a lot. Like Lane Stanley's heroin addiction is what made their music so dark, which is what made them such a great band. And Sid Vicious became so infamous, partially because he was because he didn't play the instrument and he was a, you know, carving himself up and was abusive and a shitbag in the, the murder. Yeah. Fucking murderer. He was just a horrible person. Like when he was on drugs, they said he, they said he was a very sweet, very nice guy underneath the junkie you know uh i believe it was an accident of i think they were like fighting over drugs or who knows couples just fight and he had the like the it was a small knife it wasn't like this butcher knife it was right. like this small knife like a pocket knife and it was only one incision it wasn't like he stabbed her over and over and over again it was like one poke in the right place and she bled out and, you know, they were probably, she, he was probably holding it and she ran into it. That's what I always thought. Like she, that's what I always thought in the, in the movie, uh, Sid and Nancy. That's, I remember that's how they kind of explain it. Like it wasn't Sid like killing her. He was just, he was like, I'm going to cut you with this and everything. And she fucking comes running at him and he just accidentally cuts, it, it you know, her. Yeah. Oh. I'll definitely have to watch that. Do you think that they would, would they be as popular? Like, had he not, had he never joined the band, would they be as like legendary as they are now? I don't know, dude. I I really don't know. I mean, like I said, Sid is the face of punk rock. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either, man. People will say they started playing bass because of Sid Sid Vicious. Vicious. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, I think they would have. I think they were on a, on a, you know, they were doing enough shit and getting enough attention that they didn't need a they didn't need to add a heroin junkie to it to make it all go kablooey no, and flamed it, out. But you know, the, the it, shortness of their career is also part of the story. How how long did they last? It was like two and a half years. Their first uh their first you know go around. Okay, their first gig to Right. Right. Till there, right. till they broke up. You know, they they reunited like in the two thousands and did went on I wish I, I had a chance to go see that in New York City. Yeah, I wish I did I too. Had, I had to work that night. My buddy was like, oh, let's go. I have a ticket for you. Let's go. I regret to this day not going to that, dude. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, man. So they kind of, you know, they all, they kind of all go their, their separate ways. You know, even the impact that they had on other bands. And we talked about this and again, in the punk episode, you know, like the Buzzcocks, the guys in the Buzzcocks saw them and were like, holy shit, we're going to start a band. Joe Strummer saw them. It was blown away. The damned started working for him. The guys in Joy Division saw them. Morrissey saw them in concert. And they were like, all these guys were like, I want to be in music after seeing these guys. Because they were just a bunch of ordinary guys making music right. their own way. Right. Anybody could do it. Anybody could do it, dude. If, yeah. you, if you have passion, you can make music. Sure. If you, you, you know, you just make a sound just like Steve Jones did. He didn't know what kind of chords he was he was playing. Yeah. He just knew he invented a sound for himself. 
one thing that was interesting with Sid Vicious, too, is like everybody started dressing like him when he became yeah. a punk. So it was like the counterculture. I'm part of this movement that s- supports being an individual. We're all going to dress like we have a uniform yeah. now. We're all going to dress like this dude. That was my jacket. always. That was my problem. In the, in, even in the 90s, like you had if you were punk rock, you had to let everybody know. Yeah. And I think that's Johnny Rotten's issue with it now. He's like, you know, all these other bands that came after us, you know, he's trash and the green but days I, of the world and shit. But, he's like, yeah, they're, they're all, they're all came after me and it's already been done. But you know, like, like Steve Jones to me is like the, the driving point of that band. Like we say, Oh, if Sid didn't join the band, like what would have happened? Yeah. I mean, John, you know, he would have he would have took charge of it and who knows what would have happened he steve wanted to keep on going but then he became a fucking junkie steve jones did yeah oh i didn't know that yeah did did you watch the end of that series yeah i did i must i I had it on while i was like while i was working i had it playing in my uh like on my laptop next i I believe it was the end of thing and him trying heroin and then it was like took over kind of thing and he still makes music. He's still around. He's great, dude. He is punk rock. You know, he I've is some, punk rock. Yeah, and I've got some other shit that he did, man. So he was in a band uh, called the Neurotic Outsiders with Matt Sorum and Duff McKagan from Guns N' Roses and John Taylor oh, from Duran Duran. I was trying to figure out the name of that band. What were they yeah, called? The Neurotic Outsiders. Uh, Billy Idol was in this band for a little yeah, while. Yeah, I've got something from him. I, I put some of the here's a song called Nasty Ho. Okay, I was, you know, I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was Duff okay. Ma- Duff um, McKagan. Duff McKagan, man. I think he was like the biggest uh, influence on punk rock to me. He introduced a lot of punk rock to me. Okay. Duff McKagan. Um, even the songs that he does in Guns N' Roses, his bass lines. Yeah. You know, okay. he's very punk. I, and I'm not, and him working with Steve Jones was probably amazing because nobody was a bigger Sex Pistols guy than Duff McKagan. Yeah, and to this day, Duff wears the chain around his neck with the lock, like Sid did. Yeah, like he, he was did, carrying, um, he was carrying the flag for punk rock into mainstream. He also did like a solo album that I I never listened to, but it said like it Axel was on it. Does it Fire and Gasoline? Nikki he had Six a few different. He had a, t- a few different ones. I had the original one, and it wasn't that good. No. What what he did was he played every instrument on the album. Uh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, him playing with other musicians that are like credible, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah. He was in another band briefly called The Professionals that I listened to. Um, I'll play a little bit. Of that. This is called Little Boys in Blue. I was kind of digging this.
I was digging the. I love stuff. I, I like the guitar. The guitar yeah. work on that. It was cool. But what, what was the name of that? That was a band called the Professionals. Duff it wasn't had, in that one. It was like a whole other okay. project that Steve Jones was in. But okay. you know, he, he bounced around, did a bunch of other shit. Um, you know, Glenn Matlock was in another band called the Rich Kids. Uh, you know, when the Sex Pistols got together for that reunion thing, Glenn Matlock came back and played bass yes. for them. Yeah. Yeah. Just to add that to the conversation. Yeah, and I guess the guy that had the biggest, the biggest career outside of the Sex Pistols was Johnny Rotten and and Pill, you know, public and public oh, image I, limited. Yeah, I remember them. I, I remember, never, I remember I being on. Them. I just remember being on like 120 minutes. Yeah, on MTV. It's and so. I, and it's so Johnny different. was like first time I saw Johnny Rotten I was like, who's this guy? Yeah, he's so why is his eyes? His eyes are like the craziest things. Yeah. He has like he has this like condition that he's like the pep 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 all the time like Ridlin wouldn't do shit for him probably if you ever look at those pictures of him his eyes are always wide open wide open and they're dilated yeah and that's his natural look okay i got a song i put on the playlist too rise by public enemy public image limited it's so different sounding than a sex pistols song Yeah, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really do anything for me, but I'll it's you know. totally different for Johnny Rotten. He's talking about going back on the road again with the band. Now the COVID's almost over. Yeah, whatever. Um, Wasn't it crazy in that Bill from Fury movie when they were interview like they were only silhouetting interviewing Johnny? It Rotten. was weird. All of them. And but then he was like, you could see him crying talking about Sid Vicious. Yeah, he felt he felt I don't know. He felt some regret of just bringing him into the band. Do you it, probably he probably i don't know sid was such a junkie before he joined sex yeah. pistols who yeah. knows what would happen he was just a famous junkie did you ever listen to any of malcolm mclaren's other stuff like he put out some solo albums no okay and, and there's a reason why you never have and <laughs> we can put this on the list for electric chair this is really bad so this is probably not what you're going to expect but this is a song called buffalo gals that's like the that's the kind of shit that malcolm mclaren was making he made like wow hip-hop weird i mean i guess i kind of get it right because he was like this weird avant-garde kind of cutting edge i'm doing shit differently but i was like that sucks no good no good no good man let's wipe that out of our out of our tasters, anything else? Any other songs off of Anarchy? You want to? Yeah, let's play uh, Holiday in the Sun. Oh, yeah, of course. Here. Another great, great song. song. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I heard 
never mind the bollocks. It was me to meet my famous story of my first punk rock tape that my friend made me in high school. One side was the first Ramones album. And the second side was never mind the bollocks. Oh, right on. And from right at the first beginning of it, I was like, whoa, like I knew, I knew who they were and, but they really got my attention. I was a, a punk rock fan way before in high school before green day came out and when green day came out i was like this is not punk rock no i agree you know? i'm not a i'm not a fan of green day i like the later i like that american idiot album i think that's brilliant but what they did for punk rock was made it mall like the yeah. mall right but what you just said with this like this is a band that when you hear it you're like whoa what is this like like yeah. never i know you're not a big fan of never mind but a lot no, of people, I, I am. I am. I just okay. didn't grow up worshiping it. Just a lot of people our age heard that. And that was like, what is this? It's just so totally. And, and this album was like the same thing. Just way. You know, like, holy shit. Yeah. Maybe one last point on them, too. You know, so the four original guys and Sid, they get inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they, you know, they famously refuse to. And that's uh, punk rock. Yeah, that's my definition of punk rock. Yeah. Not showing up for your own induction to they, they call the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a piss stain. And they say, we're not your monkey. They said, well, we're going to pay twenty five thousand dollars for a table. You know, yeah. good luck. That is punk rock. My, yeah. I tried to explain it earlier. That's the definition of punk rock. What they what they did. You know what else is also really punk rock? And it was um, it's at the end of the Filth and Fury is the concert the last concert they do in the uk is a charity gig for children yeah what a great moment yeah so they like a group of firefighters and like miners go on strike and the band decides to do kind of like a free show for their kids and they like they come in with a big cake that says sex pistols on it and they're handing the cake out at one point like the band's like they're shoving their faces in the cake and they're Uh, like um they're they brought like the kids yeah they brought like t-shirts for the kids and they judged like a dance contest and then they played and they they played played for them and they said they oh, yeah. played and the kids were like singing along with all the vulgarity and all the, the bad language. And they're like, you know, but look what the they were to, doing. Right. They're like, Ooh. the parents don't care. You didn't see fucking Rod Stewart doing anything. You didn't see like Mick Jagger fucking do anything. Right. Like, you got these scumbags. Right. Everybody thinks they're scumbags, but they're the only ones that cared about those kids. Right. And that's punk. Right. Doing that. That is that, fucking punk rock. That's dude. punk as hell. Like those guys coming in like we don't care. Even they said when they re when they um reunited they offered to go over to iraq but they were like we're not playing for the soldiers we're going to play for the people in iraq like we want we want to bring <laughs> some, hear like, that we want to bring some music to like those people maybe they need some rock and roll and it never well, you know, it never went anywhere ballsy. that's a ballsy yeah. statement bro yeah i don't i don't think you know that hard well they're not american they're not americans so, right but i also yeah. don't think like hardcore muslim fundamentalists are going to be down with the sex pistols but anyway yeah. but it was still like still still a shot but the the, con- the christmas concert for the kids was really cool there's a whole um the BBC just did like a documentary about that a couple of years ago. It's called like Christmas with the Sex Pistols. Uh, look and that. it had a little uh, it's on YouTube. That's my babe. That's my favorite moment of the Sex Pistols history was when they played for those kids. They play with the kids. Right. Because, yeah. you know, with the whole they time, said we, we, Sid, they said Sid was awesome with those kids all day long. And they're, they those kids came from the same street as they did. Right. And we've you know, we've been talking the whole two hours about drugs and stabbing and spitting on people and fights and all this other shit. And then, you know, just to bring it back that they they did this kind of this really sweet thing for kids that whose parents were out of work, you know, over the holidays, kind of they were on strike, too. So they're kind of like sticking up for like working man, working people. And that's what they were. They, they were that's what they were. You know, they hated the rich. They, yeah. You know, they hated the the uh, the, the phonies. 
that that watched the BBC all night. You know, those tea drinking pinky out motherfuckers. Yep. Yeah, really cool Let, moment. Let's hear another uh, another uh, song from Nevermind the Bollocks. Sure. What do you want? How about Pretty Vacant? great song is that it on the sex pistols i can't i don't know i just hope like every week i do i i really try to give these topics justice i thought you were fine man i this is a this is a really interesting story yeah in rock and roll and i i love that most about doing a show is finding these stories and yeah it's like i can't tell you about punk rock my heart my heart can show you on the drums what punk rock is but like to explain it, punk rock's inside of you. You know, sure. punk rock's inside of you. It's not the way that you dress. None of that shit. Punk rock was inside of you. Again, it's it's a really interesting story. But I love that just sitting on top of that in the way that they flamed out so fast and they didn't know what the hell they were doing was that they just made an awesome album. Maybe Malcolm was the best thing for them and the worst thing for them. Would they have made it without Malcolm? Like would they said, even would they even met each other if it wasn't for Malcolm? Probably not. Those two guys would have been tooling around. They would have stuck with Wally Nightingale and stealing yeah. guitars and probably not going anywhere. And like you said before, man, you, with the Ramones, like those guys just those four guys just were destined to be together. And the, they were in the right place at the right time. And that's kind of what these guys like, you know, the, yeah, the universe opens up and, right. and people find each other. And right. magic happens. Johnny Lydon doesn't walk into that store that day. It, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny Loudon was so shy to start singing. And imagine if he just like walked away. Never mind. And just walked right. away. Or if he had brushed his fucking teeth a little bit more, maybe that wouldn't, or his hair wasn't green or he had a different t-shirt on that day. You know, like all those little, yeah, those little moments. I hate, just, I hate Pink yeah. Floyd t-shirt. All that shit just kind of led to where it is. And that's like, he was just a dude who just happened to be in a store at a time and became a musician and he's been doing it for 40 years now but i i think malcolm saw what he stood for and he's like i could manufacture that i put that out you know fuck everybody i could sell i could sell fuck everybody yes that's what malcolm's when when steve jones said that nancy spongen just had this cloud over her like malcolm obviously saw something in johnny lyden was like this guy is what we need yeah, I mean, he's the definition of what punk is. He, you know, read if you want our listeners go watch the Filth and the Fury on YouTube, or you can check out uh, the mini series that was on Hulu. Yeah, it was on Disney Plus, and now it's on. Hulu. <laughs> it was. Um, it was. It was based. It was on Disney Plus. You're kidding me! I swear to God, it was. No. Originally, it was originally on Disney Plus, and now it's on Hulu. That is fucking. Bizarre. Mickey Mouse put out the pistol yep. show. Oh, yep. yep. And uh, it's largely based on Steve Jones's book that he wrote. Does he have a book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go. Have you ever read it? Or I have it now. It's on my wonder, uh, my growing list of shit that I need to read. I'm going to I'm going to put that on my list. 
Yeah. Steve Jones book. I, we we do so much of this stuff and I'm like, oh, I need to look into this and I need to, I need to learn more about that. And then, I'm, but it's also, like, I got, I got to, right. I got to move on to the next topic. And then, you know, we're, we're very ambitious sometimes with some of the stuff we want to cover. Yeah. What I was saying, like we should do the, uh, the songs that Led Zeppelin ripped off. I'm like, I think that, that's an awesome idea. That would be, that's a, that's probably going to be some work. I think it would be great. I think it'd be awesome. We'll be playing all kinds of shit that nobody's ever like. We've never talked like I'll, I would learn a lot, like kind of like the blues episode. Oh, yeah. Like I bet I bet you could look up easily. Sure. What those songs are. Right. But it's not something I could sit down and talk about off the top of my head. Right. No, so no, but it's all it's all. I think it would be an awesome topic. I would love to do a jazz episode. I would, too. And it's another yeah. one that would require you know, some work. But that takes probably at least a month of of research or just to put it together. Yeah, that'd be right. fun. Yeah, we got some work to do. Um, second thoughts. All right, I got I got two things on second thoughts. So first, I said in our Woodstock episode that the event happened during the Summer of Love, and it's not true. The Summer of Love was in '67. Woodstock was in '69. So to all of you who emailed me saying I don't know what I'm talking about, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, I also have some info on the naked guy holding the sheep and who he was. I said my homework was I was going to find out who that was. I found yeah. that I found it. But I'm going to save it for another episode because I want to get into this email that we got from our new friend, Lucas, in Florida. This is fucking awesome. So Lucas sent us an email and he said, hello, gents. I'm new to the podcast after a friend raved about the Big Four Rush and Electric Chair episode, which I've been enjoying. At some point during the pandemic, me and some of my buddies did a worst songs of all time tournament, similar to the NCAA bracket. We made a list of about 50 to 100 songs. And then we drafted them to fill out the bracket of 64. We went through the whole bracket debating which songs were worse and we'll move on to the next round. Uh, since there were three of us, you had to have at least two thirds of the votes to advance a song. Whoever was the lone vote would have a chance to try to convince one of the majority votes to switch. The bracket was rock focused and not broad as you guys did on the electric chair episode, but it was really fun. And I thought you might appreciate the idea and the outcome. The final four, Urgent by Foreigner, Hire by Creed. November Rain by Guns N' Roses and The Sound of Silence by Disturbed and Urgent by Foreigner beat November Rain in the final. Anyway, oh. keep up the great work. I'll keep listening. P.S. The funniest part of the Rush episode is when you guys all pretty much came around on Rush, but then agreed in the, at the ending that yes still sucks. I don't know why, but that <laughs> made me really laugh. So, <laughs> And then he sent us the whole bracket. Huge shout out to Lucas, Ken and Joe for sending this bracket. Dude, I wrote it back. I was like, dude, this is hysterical. Some of the songs. There's some songs on there that um, on the field of 64 that we haven't gotten to yet. And there's some also there's some really bad. I I think I said it to you. There's some really bad songs. Lucas, thanks for listening, brother. Yeah, man. I said I mailed him some stickers. He said he'd be happy to put one on his beer fridge. Yeah, Um, man. And uh, you know what, man? The electric chair. Maybe we'll pick there. We'll send Urgent by Foreigner. We'll let their pick be the one. Yeah. Yeah, man. Why don't we do that? So the electric chair. The electric chair is a is a segment every time where we do we kill a song. And in honor of Lucas, Ken, and Joe doing all that work of sending us that bracket, we're gonna kill Urgent by Foreigner since that was the song that won their field of sixty four. I was like, oh, this is a good pick, man. Yeah, I've seen totally. Foreigner. I've seen Foreigner way more times than I really. Like, yeah, I've never. Oh, I've never seen them. I've only seen them like I saw them open for White Snake. I saw them open for Poison. I think. Let me hear this. <laughs> Yeah, I don't like them. I think I like Boston better. <laughs> oh, so lame. This is the stuff that like Johnny Rotten was writing about. Uh, writing, yeah. right? The shit that they were trash can like Kansas and all this like crappy, crappy. He was stuff. right. He was right so, there. In honor of those guys doing all this work and doing this awesome field of '64, 
We're going to kill this song. We sentence you to death. Right on, guys. Thanks again for sending it to us. The bracket was hilarious, dude. Yeah. Some of the songs that they had on there. I was very inventive, man. Very inventive, very imaginative. There's a handful of songs that we already killed. And then there's a bunch of stuff that I was like, oh, shit, we didn't get that. We didn't get that. We didn't. And I don't, I don't want to start reading it because I actually want to. There's some really good ideas on here. Cool. Of, uh, of some terrible songs. So. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, man. Really, really cool. Right on. Um, Did you, before we go any further, yeah. Bruce, uh, I know you're away on your weekend labor day weekend but did you catch any of the tara hawkins concert i haven't and that was the music news that i have um, okay I haven't, wa- I haven't watched it yet okay did you, did you i saw you guys i watched a the, little bit of it i saw you guys were playing the replay in the bar yeah i didn't well, i wasn't working that night but let's talk about it yeah man so uh about seventy five thousand people filled the legendary wembley stadium for a six-hour concert to honor Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins. Uh, it was the first Foo Fighters performance since he died in March. And there's, a, I mean, the list of people that showed up. I, I don't want to run through the whole thing because we could do a whole friggin' episode, episode just, on just it. on this and play the highlights clips and stuff. Yeah. The little parts that I've seen Wolfgang Van Halen ripped the fuck out of Hot for Teacher, dude. He came out and played his father like to a T. Yeah. And he's and never then, done that before. He's always he did, not wanted, he's one like, he didn't never wanted way. to imitate his, bro- his father. Yeah. He was just like, no, oh no, I'm not going to imitate my father, but he did it for them. Yeah. You know, hot for teacher. It was fucking great. It was, it was awesome. And the second very inspiring part of the show was when Taylor Hawkins' son came up and played that. What's that song called? You're my hero. My hero. Yeah. Shane Hawkins played drums. With, he with the fucking fighter. killed it, man. It, it made me like inspired to go out and, Go out and tour again, man. <laughs> I read, you know, I read some of the other stuff like uh, Dave Grohl's daughter, who's she's really talented, too. I've seen her. Oh, she sang um, Last Goodbye by Jeff Buckley yeah, and yeah. Uh, Grace by Jeff. I really like Jeff Buckley. Brian Johnson and Lars Ulrich played together. I, I missed a lot of it because I turned it off because it was all Taylor Hawking's first band. Oh, like all his bands were playing. And then I turned it off to watch the Fish concert. And then all this awesome shit happened. So I, I miss majority of it. It's all, it's all on YouTube. I'm sure like, it's uh, everything's blocked out already on it. Oh, I'm trying it? to, get, I'm trying to get my buddy to download it for my uh, hard drive for my TV. Yeah, I'm sure we can find it. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the really, really long list. You know, Paul McCartney, Queen, and Rush, and the Pretenders, Stuart Copeland from the Police. It really, from what I was reading, man, it made it really reminded me of the Freddie Mercury tribute yes. at Wembley. And the energy yeah. that was around that. And we talked yeah. about Taylor Hawkins a little bit. We were on, we did a spot on the podcast, The Itch, uh, Rock Radio, where we just kind of talked a whole bunch of podcasts. They asked us all to kind of come together and record something on our, our thought on uh, Taylor Hawkins. And, you know, man, we should we should reach out to the Blue Meanie and ask him if he wants to come on, maybe share his. Yeah, he would do an episode went, on it. Yeah, the Blue Meanie went to England and went to Wembley Stadium to see the concert. I haven't talked to him yet about it, but, uh, Man, I would love. Did you hear what happened to him? with ticket yeah. did to him? I put this on our on our social media page where they like they canceled. They were like, "There's an ir- irregularity with your tickets," and they just canceled them. Yeah. And he, you know, he was really it's like the, from the day they announced this. You know, the professional wrestler, the Blue Meanie from WWE, he's a friend. Yeah, he's a friend of the show. He was like, from the day they announced this, he was like, oh, "We're going." And I remember him like bragging, like, "Holy shit, I got tickets!" And he was waiting in the yeah you know, the long ass queue. Yeah, and. Yeah. and 
He's he said he, and they just they just said like, sorry, you're out. And I put it on our Twitter, and I was like, does anybody anybody else heard about this? And a couple of the people were like, yeah, I know some. Uh, it happened to multiple people. He said he got a, and they got he got his tickets reinstated. Yeah, he said they gave him a reason, but he didn't. I didn't ask him what it was. My, I'll my get thought it out was, of him. My thought. I'm was sure like, he fucking went nuts. Yeah, I'm sure I, I would. I my would. Thought, my thought would be they thought you were a scammer because you're you bought tickets from another country, but give you an explanation you know like but something something yeah something went awry and thankfully i never heard ticketmaster taking tickets back i hadn't either i not even hate them and not even like ticketmaster not even like can you confirm it can you do that yeah i was just like sorry you're out oh they ever did that to me with anything i'm getting them on the phone that person on the other end is going to get it (laughs) i want to talk about wolfgang because the blooming is a huge Van Halen fan. Yes, yes, and I'm he is. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Brian teared up a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure Dave Grohl was tearing up several times. I so. think they were emotional mess through that whole night. I'm sure they like they probably all were so fucking exhausted the next day from crying all day and like rocking all day. Dave, I have to. I have to see the rest of it because yeah. I, I feel like I missed something. But they're doing it again, right? Yeah, there's an LA show coming up in like a week or two, something like that. Hopefully that will be on TV on the YouTube also. Yeah. I'll have to see that. And Dave Grohl played most of the six hours. You know, he played with all these other bands. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Like I said, cool. I only caught the beginning of it when they were playing all Taylor Hawkins original bands. That's the only part I caught. And I, I feel like I missed something. I'll look around and see if I can find it too. And if I, if I find it, man, I'll just, I'll try to download it for you. I'll see. I'll keep my eyes open. Cool. I'll get my investigative team on it. All right, man. So I think that is a wrap on episode 47. If you want some more prisoners of rock and roll, you can follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Tell somebody about us. Yeah, we love that you're here and we'd love your friends to be here. You can always reach out to us with a comment. You can email us at show at prisoners of rock and roll dot com or you can reach out to us through social media. We'd love to send you some stickers. We got a whole bunch of uh, quality, high quality vinyl decals we can send you with our logo on it. Our logo is pretty kick-ass and looks great on anything as i said we're on twitter we're on facebook and you can also check us out online at prisoners of rock and so this was fun brother i loved it i i hope we gave it justice every week i just hope we give justice to our listeners maybe we didn't bullshit our way through this and then hopefully it, you know it came out good put a lot of work into it and i think it shows so yeah all right guys awesome. we'll see you in two weeks keep all rocking peace out It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 